1: From Hollywood, it's time now for
2: Johnny Dollar. Walt Albright, Johnny, Trinity Mutual Limited. Oh, hiya, Walt. How's your health? Terrible, since you ask. I got asthma, Johnny. Again? I thought we agreed. Yeah, I know. I get suspicious. I get asthma. Happens every time. Cure me, will you? What's the case, Walt? man named Eddie Kalen, C-A-Y-L-I-N, out in Los Angeles, died yesterday. $5,000 policy, double indemnity. What did he die of? Mysterious circumstances. Well, that's usually a fatal disease, all right, That's but... it, Johnny. That's all I know. Mysterious circumstances. The body was identified by the widow. I see. Our salesman out there can probably help you. He issued the policy only six weeks ago at the request of the widow. Uh-huh. Six weeks, one premium paid, check signed by the widow. Hey, tell me something. Would the beneficiary happen That's to be... That's right, the widow. Oh, this asthma's killing me, Johnny. You gotta do something about it. All right, Walt. Just call me doctor. <laughs>
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Kalen matter. Item one $198.20, airline fare and incidentals, Hartford to Los Angeles. I hadn't arranged for anybody to meet me when I arrived at L.A., so I picked up my bags and headed for the taxi stand.
3: Mr. Dollar! Please. Uh, Wait a second.
2: He was a small man, nervous and fluttery, with a shiny pink nose and a face like a little white rabbit.
3: I was watching for you out on the ramp, but somehow you must have slipped by and... You are, Mr. Dollar, aren't you?
2: Yes, I'm Johnny Dollar, but I don't think I... uh... Uh,
3: Welch. Presley Welch. I'm the... Oh,
2: yes, you're the district salesman here for Trinity Mutual. That's right. Well, how
3: are you, Mr. Welch? (laughs) I'm out of breath at the moment. (laughs) From running, you understand. You see, I'm troubled occasionally by asthma. You, too. Oh, do you have asthma, Mr. Dollar?
2: No, it's a friend of mine in Hartford.
3: Oh, in Hartford? Oh, well, you don't say.
2: Yes, in fact, I came out here just to cure it for him.
3: Out here? Oh, this is the worst place you could have come. Oh, you see, the smog here is so b- Oh, now, oh, I do believe you're joshing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess
2: I am at that. Come on, let's add to my expense account with a cup of coffee. Oh, you really think we should? Oh, why not? Let's be daring.
3: All right, let's. I always say, if the company can't afford it... I'll come on. <laughs>
2: If Presley Wells sold insurance the way he answered questions, it was amazing that he hadn't starved to death years ago. He skidded around the field, flip-flopped overhead, and buzzed the tower, all verbally, of course, and for 15 minutes, he didn't touch a wheel to the ground. But when he did finally land, he came in with a swoop.
3: I do hope you'll accept my apologies, Mr. Dollar, for causing all this trouble, because the whole thing is my fault, of course.
2: I don't see how, unless you murdered Eddie Kalin.
3: I may... Oh, why...
2: I scarcely knew it. A <laughs> perfect
3: alibi. Oh, no, 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 no. You misunderstand me. Well, I'm just joshing. What I meant was, I wrote the policy, and I knew better right when I did it.
2: Ah, uh, what do you mean?
3: Well, Mr. Kieran was quite facetious about the whole procedure. When I tried to point out the retirement security factors in our multiple endowment plan, he actually laughed. You don't say? Yes. He said all the security he'd asked for was two aces up and one for the kicker. <laughs> Well, what about Mrs. Kalen? What was her attitude? Well, she was quite serious about it. Wasn't she the one who actually applied for the policy? Well, not technically. The beneficiary can't, you know. It's against the rules.
2: Yeah, I know, but didn't well, she... Well, she
3: was the one, yes, that called me and asked me to come out and talk to her husband, and he finally signed the application, but he seemed to regard it as a joke. He only did it as a favor to her, uh, something of that sort.
2: And now it's turned out to be a $10,000 favor.
3: What kind of a woman is she, Mr. Welch? Well, she's quiet, well mannered, quite charming, I thought. I, I must confess I felt a good deal of sympathy for her in view of her husband's incessant flippances.
2: A real happy fellow, huh?
3: Oh, positively frivolous, Mr. Dollar. And I should have been warned by his attitude. You know, insurance is a serious business.
2: Oh, sure. But Eddie Kalin didn't laugh himself to death.
3: Oh, oh, my. Oh, he died in the fire when his automobile caught cover... Oh! Oh, laugh. oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Say, tell me, how <laughs> La- well did you get
2: to know the Kalen's, uh, Mr.
3: Wells? Oh, hardly at all. I saw Mr. Kalin twice, once at his apartment the evening I sold him the policy, and, and then two weeks later at my office when he came in to sign the paper. And Mrs. Kalin? Only once, that evening at their apartment. She phoned me earlier in the week.
2: And you haven't seen her since her husband's death, huh?
3: No, no. I phoned to express my sympathy, but... She wasn't available. She hasn't filed a claim yet. No, but I knew she would, so I took it on myself to notify Hartford. I, I just can't help feeling guilty about this, you know. Yes, sir, you mentioned. Yeah, not that I really am, of course, but, uh, well, you understand It's. Oh, sure, I understand. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, <clears throat> I'll keep in touch. Watch out for comedians, Mr.
3: Welch. Watch out for whom? Oh, oh, comedians, watch out <laughs>
2: Expense account item three, $6.35. Taxi fare to the Beverly Wilshire Hotel and a second taxi to the West Los Angeles Precinct Police Station. The case wasn't being handled by any of the usual departments, Bureau of Homicide, Missing Persons, and so on. The man in charge was Detective Sergeant Jose Reynosa, unattached, working out of the Central District on special assignment. Pull up a chair, Mr. Dollar. When I talked with him in his office, Reynosa told me the reason for it. Yeah, it's a funny deal, Mr. Dollar. The facts in the case could point a lot of different ways. But the way it stands right now, they just don't add up in any direction. At least not quite. Do you mind filling me in on some of those facts, Sergeant? Yeah, I'll be glad to. Last Thursday morning at 4.20 a.m., we got a call relayed through the fire department to investigate a burned automobile out on the Palos Verdes headlight, uh-huh. up in the hills above the harbor. The car was lying in the bottom of a ravine below the road, and it was a total loss. Apparently, the gas tank had burst and flooded the whole interior. Oh, what do you mean, apparently? apparently? Well, the upholstery may have been deliberately soaked with gas. The arson squad isn't sure. I see. That's
3: why this case doesn't
2: quite fit in any niche, Mr. Dollar. Might be. Homicide? Might be. Arson, missing person, or only an accident. We're not sure yet. Anyway, there was a body in the driver's seat, burned to a cinder. Unrecognizable. But we did recover a few personal effects. A signet ring, keychain... Wristwatch with the strap burned off, a wallet, badly scorched. Mm -hmm. I noticed the keychain has a metal tag with the address stamped on it. Yeah, that and a part of the driver's license were the only leads. Eddie Kalen, Argus Terrace Apartments, up on Sunnyway Drive above the strip. So we went up there and we ran into a second surprise. What do you mean? Nobody home. We attained access, found the place in a mess. There'd apparently been a fight, a chair and a couple of lamps were broken, and there were bloodstains in the living room. What about Mrs. Kalen? Located her the next afternoon. She'd been spending a few days at a friend's cabin up at Arrowhead. Does the friend confirm it? She was there alone, had her own car. Mm. Yeah, she might have come back to town that night, but we got nothing to prove it. Or disprove it. Right. Just another one of those maybes. That's all this case is, a collection of maybes. Yeah, I see what you mean. Tell me, Sergeant, just who was Eddie Kalin? Eddie Kalen, uh, male, Caucasian, height 5'11", weight 175, complexion olive, hair medium brown, eyes gray, age 34, birthplace Chicago. What was he? What did he do? He called himself a promoter. Done a lot of things. Small-time agent for a while, handled few singers and dancers, vaudeville and nightclubs. Been a bookie off and on, but mainly he was a gambler. Oh, and there's another maybe for you. Now, how's that? According to rumor, Eddie was in an all-day poker game. It broke up only a few hours before we found the car. The game was supposedly run by a big-time gambler named Toppo Leanley. And the word has it that Eddie cleaned up something over $60,000. And there was no money found on the body? Nope. Have you talked to this, uh, Toppo? Sternly. We had him in here for four hours this morning. He never heard of Eddie Kalin. Wouldn't know a poker deck if he saw one. Spends all his spare time raising petunias and driving his dear old mother to church. <laughs> like that, huh? <laughs> like that. So there's another one for you. Maybe Topo didn't like the idea of losing 60 grand, decided to get it back. Or maybe the widow wanted the insurance, or it could be that somebody else took a crack at him. And it's possible, of course, that Eddie mailed the 60,000 to a blonde in Milwaukee and just ran off the road by accident. Yeah, it's possible. But I don't think so. I don't think it was an accident. I'm always getting cases like this. It's the kind they always put me on. Officially, it's because I'm a college man and majored in criminology, but... Actually, it's because I'm a Latin, Mexican ancestry... and they know I get certain feelings about a case. Hunches. Oh. Uh-huh. And how do you feel about this one? It's hokey. Real hokey. And it's murder, not an accident. But beyond that, can Sobbing. Why don't you poke into it a little? See what you can find. Then maybe we can talk it out some more over a bottle of muscatel. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> uh, where can I find Mrs. Kalin? Oh, the <laughs> widow? Well, that's a good starting point. <laughs> She's out at their apartment. There's the address. Okay, thanks. Oh, uh, just one other thing, Sergeant Reynosa. When you gained access to the apartment, I assumed the door was locked. Uh, yeah, it took a little effort. Uh, What kind of a lock? Uh, Automatic uh, night latch, spring cylinder? No, it was an old-fashioned warden bolt. Had to be locked with a key. Mm Mm-hmm. What are you getting at, Mr. Dollar? Oh, a hunch of my own, Sergeant. Uh, Let's save it for the muscatel. See you later. (laughs) Expense account item four, two dollars. Taxi to the Kalen apartment in West Hollywood. It was shortly after dusk by now, and the lights were coming on all over the city. It was a cool, clear night. Los Angeles at its best. As we swung off the Sunset Strip and started climbing up into the hills, I looked back across the basin toward the dark mass of the Palos Verdes headland that bounded the far side of the great carpet of lights. Three nights ago, a man had died over there in the darkness, and in a few minutes now, I'd be talking to his widow or at least to the woman who claimed to be his widow. Keep the change. The Argus Terrace Apartments, like most of them in that section, sprawled up the hillside above the street. Six or eight apartments on as many different levels, all opening onto a central patio filled with walks, steps, and banks of tropical plantings. The Kalin's apartment was at the top, And I was still 50 feet from it when the door opened and a man came out and hurried toward me. I stepped back against the shrubbery and waited for him. Good evening, Mr. Welch.
3: Oh, Oh. my. Oh, it's you.
2: Your second visit to Mrs. Kalen?
3: Second? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. I imagine you've been notified, too.
2: Notified?
3: Well, yes. I got a wire from the home office in Hartford this evening. That's why I'm here. Well, Mrs. Kalin has filed under the double indemnity clause of the policy. A claim for $10,000. She has, She She hopes it can be paid immediately and without any trouble.
2: Well, I don't like to dash a lady's hopes, Mr. Welch, but I've got news for the widow. News? The claim won't be paid immediately. And before this is over, there's going to be a lot of trouble. Oh? In fact, Mr. Welch, if my hunch is right, this claim is not going to be paid at all.
1: Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a
2: lovely girl lies, cries, crosses her heart, and hopes to die. And a killer fires from the dark. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan, making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local, Local state farm agent to learn more about what you need they'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business like a good neighbor state farm is there talk to your local agent today
2: from hollywood it's time now for johnny dollar mrs galen i think mr welch told you i'd be around to see you
4: oh yes you're the special investigator the insurance company sent
2: out that's right mind if i come in
4: All right, Mr. Dollar. Thanks. And through here. Your company didn't waste any time, did they? Sending you out here, I mean.
2: No. No more than you did in filing your claim.
4: I have a right to it. With Eddie gone now, I I need the money. I see. Sit down.
2: Thanks. How many keys are there to that door?
4: Keys? What do you mean? Your
2: front door. How many keys do you have?
4: Just one. Of course, Eddie had one. Why? What difference does it make?
2: Just about enough difference to hang somebody. Cigarette, Mrs. Kalen.
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location, Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account continued.
4: That's quite a dramatic statement, Mr. Dollar. Are you prepared to name that somebody who may get hanged?
2: Not at the moment.
4: Could it be that you don't have a name?
2: That's possible, of course.
4: That you're just fishing, so to speak? Bluffing?
2: Now, why would I do that? with you...
4: I don't know, frankly, but you must have come here for some reason.
2: Yes, I wanted to ask you a few questions. And you'd be smart to answer them under the circumstances.
4: What circumstances? The only one I know anything about is the tragic one of losing my husband only three days ago.
2: You have my sympathy, Mrs. Kalin.
4: Sergeant Minosa questioned me for hours. There's nothing more to answer. Will you go now, please?
2: All right, if you say so. Your unwillingness to cooperate will undoubtedly prejudice your claim for the insurance.
4: That's all you care about, isn't it? Finding some excuse for not paying off the policy. Now, wait a minute,
2: Mrs. Kalen. I'm not crooked, and neither is the company. If a claim is legitimate, they pay it, always.
4: I'm sick of being under suspicion, of being accused. I'm
2: not accusing you of anything. All I'm after is some information. And if you refuse to give it. Good night, Mrs. Kalen.
4: No, wait. Wait, Mr. Dollar. Yes? Don't go. Come back, please. I'm sorry. I've been under such a strain on edge. Forgive me.
2: That's all right. Forget it.
4: I didn't mean what I said, but I've answered so many questions. And to go through all of it again, well, it seems so pointless.
2: Yes, I understand. But I've found that people say things to me sometimes that they forget to say to the police. They're uh, more relaxed, I guess. Don't feel they're on the spot so much.
4: That's true. But I thought it was just me.
2: Oh, no, you're not alone.
4: I remembered something like that after I talked to Sergeant Minosa. He wanted to know where Eddie hung out, mostly. Bars and so on. i only think of two.
2: What are the names of the bars, Mrs. Kalen?
4: Uh, the, uh, the Eloine's on Beverly Boulevard... and the Brass Monkey Inn down on the strip. What difference does it make? Eddie wasn't killed in a bar.
2: No, but he probably met people there, talked to them. You see, it's a matter now of trying to reconstruct his life... step by step, right up to the moment he died... You'd be surprised how much bartenders see and hear, and remember.
4: I suppose they do. All right, Mister Dollar, I'll be glad to answer any questions you want to ask. Good. One thing, though, I wasn't expecting visitors, of course, and I wonder if I could have just five minutes to change and freshen up a little.
2: Oh, that's unnecessary. I won't be here long.
4: But I'd feel better, really. Do you mind?
2: No, no, of course not. Go ahead.
4: I'll be right back. Pour yourself a drink, Johnny.
2: I had the drink and waited and got ready to brace myself. <laughs> I've been through this before. Attack plan number two, a common garden variety. When you can't beat them, join them. And when the joiner is a lovely woman, the maneuver usually starts with some paraphrase of... Uh, Slip into something more comfortable. Why don't you have a drink? And a sudden switch to first names. And it always ends up with you and I against the world. And uh, couldn't you forget just one little mistake? The little mistake being something like arsenic in a husband's coffee. Yeah, an old familiar pattern. And a first resort just as often as a last. She was gone 20 minutes, not five. But it was time well spent. Carefully casual touch with the hair. Makeup skillfully softened. Perfume. And one of those frothy nylon jobs designed for that special evening in. Bugle call charge.
4: Like another drink, Johnny?
2: Uh, Thanks. Uh, I still have some.
4: I think I could use one. Would you mind?
2: Sure. What do you have?
4: Scotch and soda, please. Thanks for being so patient. I feel better now.
2: More, uh, comfortable, huh?
4: Something like that. Easy on the soda.
2: Right. There you are, Mrs. Keelan.
4: Thanks. Would you do something else for me?
2: Oh, I'd be happy to. But I don't know your first name.
4: Touche. All right. What are your questions?
2: How do you think it happened?
4: I don't know. Not some enemy, because Eddie didn't have any. Just friends. Too many friends.
2: Who are some of them?
4: There's only one who really fits the definition, who, who's really lasted. His name is Pete Steimer.
2: Pete Steimer? Where can I find him? You
4: can't. Or at least the police haven't been able to. Nobody's seen him since that night. He's had nightclubs off and on, and in between he makes
2: books. What about those other friends, the ones who don't last? <laughs>
4: They drift in, drift out, depending mostly on whether Eddie had any money at the moment. Of course, there were women. Oh. Showgirls, mostly dancers, strippers, so on.
2: Know any of them? Hardly. Ever hear any of their names?
4: Always made a point not to. Otherwise, I'd have killed him long ago.
2: Did you kill him, Mrs. Kalen? No. Did you love him?
4: That's a good question. I think I'll have to pass it, though. I don't really know. I feel all hollow. Smashed up inside over what happened. And yet there were times I'd have killed him myself if I'd had a gun. But there were other times, too, when it was so crazy sweet you wanted to die. Because you knew it'd never be like that again. Yeah, that's the way it was with Eddie. Mad mixed up, like watching a ten-ring circus from the front seat in a roller coaster. That's why women flocked around him. That's why they always ran from him
2: later. You didn't run.
4: Could I have another drink?
2: Oh, sure. Were you trying to run when you went up to Arrowhead by yourself?
4: Maybe. We had a fight. I ran out and told him I wasn't coming back. And only three days later, over the radio, I heard where he'd been found dead. Burned up in his car. Here you go. I guess they call it shock. I still can't really believe it, even though I know it's true.
2: Well, I guess you should know. I understand you're the one who identified the body.
4: I identified a wallet. Burned black. A wristwatch, a ring. All of them things I'd bought for him. They told me there wasn't anything that... Would be called a body.
2: Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Kalin. I know this is painful it's for you. It's all
4: right. Like I said, I, I can't believe it. Not really.
2: Do you have any other reason for not believing Eddie is really dead? I mean, besides, just a feeling.
4: No. No, of course not. What do you mean? What do you mean?
2: Well, it was just a question, that's all. Forget it. But I... Let's get back for a moment to another question. You said you were sure it wasn't some personal enemy who killed your husband. Then what do you think?
4: Well, the same as the police, I guess. They said Eddie won a lot of money that night from some gambler named Topo Leanley.
2: You don't know this Topo Leanly, huh? No, but I
4: suppose that's why Eddie was killed. The money wasn't found, so I guess it was robbery.
2: Did you know about the money?
4: It all happened while I was up at Arrowhead, anyway... If Eddie ever had any money, I'd be the last one to know about it. He always spent his money where it would show. Where he'd get something for it. Laughs, bells, whistles, balloons going up. But not at home. Never. Yeah, I'm well... sorry. Forget I said that. I hate women who sit around drooling with self-pity. Like you said. I didn't run. I guess maybe I did love him, Mr. Dollar. Is there anything else you No,
2: no, I guess not. At least not tonight. You look a little beat.
4: Yes, I'm afraid I am. You'd go around trying to keep up a front, but it's been rough.
2: Yeah, I imagine. Well... That
4: business a while ago, fixing myself up a little. This robe. I just had to do it. There are times when a woman has to feel like a woman in order to feel anything. Even sane. I guess you wouldn't understand, though. And I'm afraid I gave the wrong impression.
2: No, I think I do understand now. And I also think I owe you an apology. For what? For walking in here with a preconceived opinion, for being rude, being wrong. I'm sorry. Forgive
4: me. Forgiven. Forgotten. And come back again, please. Regardless,
2: I might, on one condition. Yes? Your first name. Would you mind? (laughs) It's Lila. Thanks, Lila. Good night. Good night. I caught a flash of movement from the corner of my eye... and whirled around just in time to see somebody slip off the corner of the terrace... and edge into the shadows of the shrubbery. I stepped off the porch and moved toward the dark hedge of banana and scrub palm. I was watching for a sudden attack, but nothing happened... Then I heard a slight sound on the next terrace level up the slope, a rustle of bushes, an accidental scrape of a shoe on the cement walk, and I slipped along the walk. I stopped at the head of the steps and listened. Nothing. The only way out of the patio to reach the street was to come past me. I started searching. But even though I was on guard, when the attack came, it caught me off balance. All I could see was a dark shape and a glint of metal and an upraised fist. I grabbed the arm and twisted and drove my left into his stomach and again... He rolled to his knees and raised his right hand, and again I saw the glint of metal. I jumped for him, grabbed his hand, twisted it back, and at the same time I swung my foot and kicked him in the jaw. Johnny!
3: Johnny, are you all
2: right? Yeah, I'm all right. Call Sergeant Reynosa, will you, Lila? He was out cold. I turned him over on his back and struck a match to get a look at him. He was a big man, stocky, bull necked blonde-haired... I slid my hand inside his coat and fished out his wallet and opened it. His name was Tompo Leanley.
1: Now, here is our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this
2: week's story. Tomorrow, we meet a Latin doll from Santa Monica an erudite bartender, and a terpsichorean ectisciast. And they're all in the cast. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
2: This is Renosa, L.A. Police. Oh, hiya, Sergeant. Any luck? Nothing. Top Leanly boy's been in jams before. He's a tough cookie, and we don't scare him a bit. What's his story? Says he was walking through the courtyard of the apartment house when you jumped him from the bushes. Oh. Claims he thought it was a stick-up and fired that shot at you in self-defense. What was he doing there in the first place? Calling on a girlfriend, only she'd given him the wrong address. Sure, Well, we can hold him overnight for carrying a concealed weapon, but that's about all, Johnny. He'll make bail in the morning. Well, fine, let him. Things aren't adding up, and it's got him worried. He's afraid he's being double-crossed, and he's fighting mad about it. On the loose, maybe he'll be a help to us. How? Maybe he can find Eddie Kalin. What are you talking about? Eddie Kalin's downtown in the morgue on a marble slab. Sergeant, want to (laughs) bet?
1: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: (laughs) From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut... Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account continued. I was following a hunch, one that had started when Sergeant Reynosa said the police found the door of the Kalen apartment locked on the night of Eddie's death, locked with a key. And now the hunch was stronger. The way Leenly had acted, Tompo Leenly, the gambler from whom Eddie had won $60,000 that night. Things like Lila Kalen had said about her husband, they all added up. But it was still only a hunch, not proof and proof I had to have. And at the moment, the only chance I could see of getting it... was to backtrack on Eddie Kalin. His hangouts, his contacts, his missing friend Pete Steimer... his movements during the hours before his car was found... blazing at the bottom of a canyon in Palos Verdes. In a way, what I had to do was bring him back to life. Expense account item 6, $14.10. Transportation 2 and incidentals... at a dim little hole-in-the-wall bar out on Santa Monica Boulevard... called the Cafe Eloines. It was an out-of-the-way clip joint dedicated to the mood Caribbean, complete with palm fronds, drinks, and coconut shells, and a lovely little hostess with a beautifully developed and well-rounded Latin accent.
5: You would like a nice table, amigo?
2: Oh, this one's fine. But I would like a nice talk. Uh, Sit down, honey. Let's get acquainted.
5: Well, maybe for a few minutes. My name is Pepita. Of
2: course. What else? I'm Johnny Dollar.
5: (laughs) That's a funny
2: name. Oh, I'm a funny guy.
5: Will, uh, will you buy me a drink?
2: Uh, is that the gimmick here? Gimmick? Well, what do you order, a champagne cocktail? Mm. Si. For which I pay two bucks. It's made with ten cents worth of turn. You get a one dollar kickback. Isn't that the way it's played? Are you with the vice squad? No, forget it. Relax. Hey, look. I'll do better than buy you a drink. What are you doing after you're through here?
5: No. No dates. When I quit work here, I go straight home, amigo. And I live with my mother.
2: Oh, well, that's a very good arrangement. Cheaper that way for both of you. But here's ten bucks. What I want from you is some information. About a customer who comes in here a lot, or used to anyway. Eddie Kalin. You know him?
5: You are not the police. Or you would not give me ten dollars just for talking. Sure, I know Eddie. What do you want to know about him?
2: When did you see him last?
5: On Thursday the day before he was killed.
2: How did he act? Uh, what did he say? Anything out of the ordinary? Oh,
5: he said he loved me madly, passionately, devotionally. And if I do not love him too, he will kill himself. Just like ordinary. He was lying, of course. But he always was such exciting to listen. Then he buy me champagne cocktail and borrow from me the money to pay for it. <laughs>
2: Quite a boy. Que hombre.
5: He was, how you say, he was the most.
2: Yeah. How long was he in here that night?
5: Quien sabe. One hour, perhaps? By himself? No. With his amigo, with Pete.
2: Pete Steimer, huh? Si. Have you seen Pete since then? No.
5: I do not think nobody has seen him.
2: What do you think's happened to him?
5: Who knows? Maybe he is too sad for Eddie dying. So he is hide out someplace, or by himself.
2: Well, it's a theory. Did Eddie seem worried that night? No. Scared?
5: No, not scared.
2: Nothing special on his mind, apparently.
5: No, just like always. <laughs> just like Eddie, you know.
2: No, I never met him. Oh?
5: Then, then why you ask this question?
2: Oh, just a routine business matter. What about women? Women? Yeah, other girlfriends of Eddie's. Next to you, of course.
5: Oh, next to me. With Eddie, every girl was first.
2: What about the nightclub here? Any of them come in here, work here?
5: Oh, Eddie was too smart for that. In each one place, only one girl. That way, no trouble. Eddie was
2: smart. Yeah, he was the most. Si. What about girls in other places around town? Do you know any of them?
5: No, I do not know any, but...
2: But uh, you've heard rumors.
5: Well, there is a place which is called the breath Monkey. Ah, yeah. They have girls there which... Um, how you say it, they, they take off some clothes and go jump around with the music.
2: Strippers?
5: Well, stippers. Well, somebody has always make jokes with me about one of those strippers. They say Eddie has had the big thing with her. <laughs> they think to make me mad, but there's no difference to me. I know how Eddie is.
2: Do you know the girl's name? Ah,
5: uh, the very silly name, which she has make up. It's Marty Midnight. Marty Midnight. She has black hair like me, but mine is natural black. Oh, yeah, sure, I figured as much. It's very beautiful. Mm, Muchas gracias, Johnny.
2: Well, thanks for some pleasant conversation.
5: You are leaving now? Yeah, why? But maybe you will come back,
2: no? I wasn't planning to.
5: At uh, one o'clock, I am through working. If you will come back, no?
2: Hmm. No. We wouldn't want to worry your poor old mother, would we? Keep her waiting up.
5: What are you talking about? My mother is living in Havana, Cuba.
2: Expense account item seven, $23.40. More transportation and some more of those incidentals. This time at the Brass Inn. That name had come up twice now. Eddie Kalin's widow had mentioned it first. So I figured I'd better have a look at it. The Eloines had been a fairly quiet place, dimly lighted, with a big play on that mystery of the jungle routine. But the brass monkey was a pony of a different tint. At the brass monkey, they let down their hair and really lived. The chorus line was on and at it when I arrived. And strangely enough, the girls were all dolls, pert, young, lively. Seven of them, from left to right. But not one of the seven had midnight black hair. I leaned against the service bar and waited for the bartender to come down out of the clouds and notice me. And he finally did.
6: Oh, sorry, buster. Just couldn't see you for looking at you. Oh, that's all right. Who'd
2: bother with a customer at a time like this?
6: Another art lover. Man, man, I'll tell you true. There is the cream of the crop. Seven shining sisters. The Pleiades, brother. The absolute up-top zenith of the entire enthusiastic firmament. Well, you'll have to drink. Scotch over ice. Checo. I read a lot. That's where I get all them big words. Always try to better myself. Get ahead, man. That's the thing.
2: Yes, so I've heard. So I
6: read all the time. And I got a system, too, a shortcut. You know all them books you see around? You know what they're full of?
2: Well, opinions vary. Words.
6: And you know where they get them? From the dictionary. So I don't mess around. I go right to headquarters. The only book I read is the dictionary. You what? Sure. Read it through twice. And now I'm clear up to J on the third
2: time around. You know what a Joss house is? Yeah, it's a Chinese temple. I uh, think I need that drink now.
6: Oh, I'm sorry, Buster. Here you are. Say, you're pretty smart yourself.
2: Oh, I'm a pedant.
6: Pedant? That's with a P. Nah, nah, I won't get to that for another three months. Uh, that's a buck even for the drink. There you go. Keep the change. Well, thanks. I. Uh, hey, hey, this is a 20 you give me. Yeah, I know. Oh, I see. Well, Buster, the answer is no. I can't fix you up with one of the girls. Uh uh-uh. uh.
2: All I want is some information. Like what?
6: Like, where is Marty
2: Midnight this evening?
6: Oh, that I wouldn't know. She hasn't been around since, uh, well, not for the
2: last four or five nights. Since Eddie Kalin was murdered? Is that what you're about to say? Police? Insurance investigator. The company I represent issued a policy on it. Eddie Kalin with insurance? Yeah, he took it out about two months ago.
6: Who's the beneficiary? His wife. Well, well, I never met the gal, but I guess she's got something common. She must have took quite a beating off of Eddie. Man. Oh, man, that cat could really operate. So I get it. You happen to know where Marty lives? Nah, she moved a few weeks ago, after she took up with Eddie. I don't even know her real name. Hey, is the manager here? I'm the manager, Buster. I hired him, fired him, and in
2: between, just look at him. <laughs> oh, man, what a life. <laughs> Do you know a friend of Eddie's named Pete Timer?
6: Sure I know.
2: He hasn't been around either. Disappeared that same night, huh?
6: Yeah. Yeah, that was a bad night all around. There was another guy dropped out of sight, too. A, a hood named Mike Kelso. One of Topo Linley's boys.
2: Do you know Tampo?
6: He comes in all the time. He's a... Hey. Hey, wait a minute. You must be the cat that broke his arm. <laughs> well, congratulations, felicitations, and happy days. I'll have a drink myself on that. <laughs> Real popular boy. Huh? Oh, the most... I understand he got his start by leaning out of his baby carriage and shoving his mother under a car. Was he in here that night? Sure. That's where Eddie met him. I told Eddie to stay clear of that game. And was I right?
2: And you think that's why he was killed, for the $60,000 he won that night? Buster, that's the type of question I never answer. And that's exactly why I stay so healthy. Well, you don't have to answer. That's where all the logic points... Eddie met Tom Polini in here that night and was invited into one of Lini's big-time poker games. Eddie was lucky, plenty lucky, and Leanley got hit hard. He decided he wouldn't stand still for it, so he and his muscle man, Mike Kelso, went around to Eddie's apartment, beat him up, got the 60,000 bucks, took Eddie out to the Palos Verdes Hills, ran him off the cliff, and set fire to his car.
6: Any reason why it couldn't have happened like
2: that? No, no, but there are a lot of loose ends. Like what has happened to Pete Steimer and Marty Midnight? Scared silly, hiding out. Like
6: Kelso. Same thing. He's sweating it out, waiting to see which way the wind blows. Or there's whispers around that he double-crossed Topo and ran out with the dough. Could be. But I keep remembering that door. What door? To Eddie's apartment. It was left locked with a key. So what's it got to do with them? Every... Uh-oh. The police. I'm raided again. Hey, Red, dump that water bar whiskey down a sink. Jackie? Get back there and tell the girls to cover up. Now, take it easy. You cats just keep your seats. Everything is so composed.
2: Relax, relax. It's not a raid. That's Sergeant Reynosa. He's handling the Kalen
6: case. Buster, a cop's a cop no matter what he's handling. Now, shake it up, Red. Turn on that water to the and Dump it all
2: in. What the devil are you doing here, Johnny? Having a drink? What's up, Sergeant? I'm looking for a girl who's supposed to work here named Marty Midnight. So am I. What's your reason? Suspicion of murder. What? A guy was killed in her apartment about an hour ago. The neighbors heard the shots. And it's real crazy, Johnny. It just can't be, but it is. We got a fast check on the fingerprints. You know who the guy was? Sure. It was Eddie Kalin. <laughs>
1: Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's
2: story. Tomorrow, a stakeout, a manhunt, and a tired intern breaking his heart to keep life in a broken body. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Introducing Bluehost Cloud So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: From Hollywood,
2: it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
4: Johnny? Well, that's strange. Is this
2: Mrs. Kalen? Lila?
4: Yes, someone from the police department asked me to call Sergeant Reynosa at this number, but I didn't... Yeah,
2: Reynosa was trying to reach you, but your phone didn't answer. Well,
4: I was just letting it ring. I was trying to get some sleep. Then the officer came by. Where are you, Johnny? What's happened?
2: We're at the apartment of a girl named Marty Midnight. Ever hear of her?
4: No. Why?
2: Lila, you better brace yourself, honey. You've got another shock coming.
7: Shock? What do you mean?
2: Your husband didn't die in that burning auto.
7: Eddie? Eddie's alive? No,
2: no. Not now. He was shot to death an hour and a half ago here in Marty's apartment.
7: Who did it? I
2: don't know yet. Hang on to yourself and I'll come by and see you as soon as I'm free here.
8: Will you, Johnny, please? Promise. Tonight
1: and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours
2: truly, Johnny Dollar. special investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the home office, Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Kalen matter. Expense account continued. The homicide squad was finishing up its work when Sergeant Reynosa and I got back out to the apartment of Marty Midnight, star stripper of the Brass Monkey Inn. Eddie Kalen's body had been photographed, checked, measured, fingerprinted, examined, sketched, written up and reported on, taken out finally under a white sheet. I held the door open for the morgue attendants to get out with their silent burden and stood watching them wheel the stretcher down the walk and load it into the waiting ambulance. A light mist had started to fall, and a damp, cold blanket of fog was seeping down from the dark hillsides of Griffith Park beyond the road. There was a feeling of finality in the air, of the end of things. And for the man who died twice, it was final. Yeah, there was no doubt about it this time. Eddie Kalin was dead. I am tired, Johnny, just plain dead dog tired. Yeah, it's getting to be a long night. Sit down and start talking. Any uh, particular subject, Sergeant? You know what subject. You weren't surprised when you heard Eddie Kalin had been alive all this time that it wasn't his body in the wrecked car out in Palace Verdes. How come, Johnny, why weren't you surprised? Because I was expecting it. Why else? No, you got to do more talking than that. Well, it started with a hunch. And the hunch started when you told me you found the door of Eddie Kalin's apartment locked. When you went there that night, he was supposed to have died. Yeah, I know. Locked with a key. You mentioned that, but... Well, that was the important part. If it had been a door with a night lock or a spring latch that snaps when you pull it shut, it wouldn't have been anything. It still doesn't, as far as I'm concerned. All right, look. There was evidence there'd been a fight in that apartment that night. We assumed that somebody had knocked Eddie unconscious or killed him there in the apartment... Then taken his body out to his car, driven it out to the Palace Verdes' headland, and set fire to it. That's right. Then at the time that somebody left the apartment, the heat was on. Mm-hmm. They had a body on their hands. Maybe someone had heard the fight, called the police. They had to get out fast. Yeah, sure, but... Under those circumstances, can you imagine anybody taking the time to go through Eddie's pockets to find his door key and bothering to stop and lock the door behind them? That's illogical. Except for one person, Eddie himself. How do you figure with him, it would be just a matter of habit, locking the door as usual when he left home. All right, Johnny, I see your point. Then how do you call the play that night? About the way we were tagging it, up to a point. Eddie won 60,000 bucks in that poker game with Toppo Lee. He went home, either alone or with that friend of his, Pete Steimer. So? So Toppo had no intention of taking that kind of a loss. So he sent his trigger man, Mike Kelso, to recover the money. The fight was between Eddie and Mike. Only Mike was the one who lost, not Eddie. Then you figure Eddie put Mike Kelso's body in his car and drove it out to Palos Verdes and set fire to... Sure. It. With Pete Steimer's help, probably. Well, it's possible. The body was practically destroyed. All we had for identification was the wallet, watch, keychain, and so on. They could have been planted. I think they were. It was a sudden idea, spur of the moment. But Eddie was ripe for it. There he was, with $60,000 in his pocket, but a dead man on his hands... And as far as his wife was concerned, I think the chance of shaking her and not sharing the money was just an added inducement. So he and Pete arranged for the body to be identified as his, and Eddie just disappeared. And holed up here in his girlfriend's apartment. Why not? He and Pete both. Apparently the three of them were planning to jump the country, judging by that forged birth certificate you found in there on the breakfast table. Only it didn't work out that way. Well, Eddie's dead, really dead now. Pete and Marty have disappeared again, and the 60 grand is missing. Find them, and you find the money. Johnny, it sounds like the same old story. Big money, big temptation, and a falling out among friends. That's the most likely. Of course, there is one other possibility. What's that? Topo Leanly. Was he out? Yeah. How come? It's a rough combination, Johnny. Good lawyer on his side and a poor case on ours. He was sprung two hours before the neighbors reported the shooting here, the anonymous neighbor. Well... It could be, then. But I'm still betting it was Pete Steimer or Marty Midnight. I'm not betting anything anymore. The way things stand now, it's anybody's guess. His own gun, no prints on it. You pays your nickel and you takes your choice. Well, at least the field narrows down. It seems like we got a visitor. Probably one of the uniformed boys on duty outside. Yes?
9: The policemen outside say for me to come to you. I am Jeannette Dubois.
2: Oh? Well, what can I do for you? Uh.
9: I am the person who reports the shooting on the telephone. Come on in. Merci, monsieur.
2: How come you refused to give your name when you phoned the police?
9: Uh, You are Captain?
2: Sergeant Reynosa. This is Johnny Dollar, Mr. Boyle.
9: He is also police?
2: He's working with us on this. Now, why wouldn't you give your name when you reported the shooting?
9: I, I am very sorry, monsieur. You see, I have not been in this country too long... and I am afraid that I will be implicated so I do not give the name at first. But finally, I, I think it over, and I call my friend the consul, and he say I must come to you immediately.
2: And he's right. So you heard the shooting, huh?
9: Oui, monsieur. I was po- walking past in front. I live three places down from here. All of a sudden, there is bang, 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 and I am scared to pieces. I can imagine. Then the door of this place is slammed open very quick, and I jump in the shadow behind a bush... A girl start to come out, and then she stop in the door.
2: What did she look like, Miss Dubois? Well,
9: it is too dark for telling good, but I have seen her before. I know from her hair, very long, black.
2: Marty Midnight. Was that the one, the girl who lives here?
9: Oui, monsieur. I did not know her name.
2: All right, what happened then?
9: Oh, she stand in the door for a second. She is wearing a, a, how you say it, a white raincoat. She is holding something in her hand... This thing she wipes with the raincoat all over. Then she throws it back into the room. Was it a gun? I think so. Then she pulls the door shut and runs down the street. I am too scared to think what to do for a minute. Then I hurry home very fast and I telephone to the police.
2: You didn't see anybody else around the place or in the street out in front?
9: No, Monsieur Dollar. I watch from my window until the police have come. Nobody else has come out or go in.
2: I see. Well, Sergeant, she won't get far. girl with her looks draws too much attention. We'll pick her up before morning. Uh, Thank you for your information, Miss Dubois. In view of your cooperation now, I think we can forget about you not telling us all this sooner.
9: Does that mean I can go now?
2: Yes, just leave your name and address with the officer outside.
9: Merci, monsieur. Au revoir.
2: That kind of surprises me. I could figure the two of them together ganging up on Eddie... But apparently it was just morning midnight, all on her own. Been done before, Johnny. They're not the weaker sex, no matter what the book says. I know, but the fact never fails to amaze me. It shouldn't. You must have been on some of the same kind of cases. The devil! Come on! The patrolman stationed at the back entrance of the apartment house told us what had happened. He'd surprised somebody—a man, he thought—lurking in the bushes beside the house. The prowler fired a shot and ran. He paid no attention to the order to halt. The patrolman had fired twice missed. The fugitive had escaped into the dense underbrush of Griffith Park just across the street. Sergeant Reynosa spotted men quickly along the edge of the brush, set up a portable spotlight in the squad car, sent his other car up an access road to block off the ridge line, radioed for reinforcements. Within five minutes, a 15-acre area of the slope was surrounded and blocked off. Well, what do you say, Johnny? Should we go in after him? Yeah, looks like we'll have to. He seems to be the shy type. Call it. Who do you think? I'm putting my money on top only, Good bet. Let's go. Keep that crowd back out of the way. All right, Couldn't be any darker in here. Oh, wetter. Hey, shoot your flash over there toward the right. No, it's an old stunt. All right, we've got you surrounded. You better come out with your hands up. If you try to resist, you'll only make it tougher on yourself. You hear something, then? No. It was over to the left, I think. Let's take a look. Watch yourself, Johnny. He's thrown lead once already. Yeah. There. Back of that tree. Hold your flesh steady. There. I see. Come out with your hands up. It's your last chance. I'm warning you. I got no choice, Johnny. He's down. Come on, Sergeant. What do you know? It wasn't Tompolini. It was Eddie Kalin's friend, Pete Steimer. Expense account item nine: one dollar for a newspaper, two packs of cigarettes, and a cardboard carton of hot coffee purchased from an all-night diner across the street from the Queen of the Angels Hospital. I took them up to the police emergency ward, room six twelve. Pulled a chair up in front of the window and sat down to wait. Pete Steimer was still unconscious. Still hadn't been able to speak a word since he dropped to the ground with Sergeant Reynosa's bullet in his chest. So I waited. Outside, the cold mist was still coming down steadily. The night was pretty far gone. It was less than three hours before dawn. A nurse sat silently beside the bed. The only sound in the room was the hoarse, slow breathing of the wounded man. After a while, the nurse left the room for something, and Pete seemed to rouse slightly at the sound of the
8: door. Uh, uh, where? Where? Where am I? Take
2: it easy, Pete. Don't try to talk. Eddie. Is. Is. Eddie here? No, he's not here. He ought to be. Here. It's... It's always been like this. Relax, now. It's, it's all right.
8: Eddie always runs out and... and leaves somebody else to... to easy now, easy. Somebody else to... Face the music.
2: Pete. And those were his last words before he went to face the music.
1: Well, Here is our star to tell you about the final intriguing episode of this week's
2: story. Tomorrow, a quarry run to earth, a strange alibi, and a shocking twist at the wind-up. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Hollywood, it's time now for...
2: Johnny Duller. Sergeant Reynosa, Johnny. Oh, I was just gonna call you. Has he talked yet? Pete Steimer is dead. When? A few minutes ago. He almost regained consciousness for a few seconds, and that was all. There's no chance to question him. That is too bad. Yeah, he might have been able to clear it up for us. I think maybe it is cleared up, Johnny, or will be at least in
8: the next hour. What do you mean?
2: We picked up Marty Midnight. When? Where? few minutes ago at the bus depot with a ticket for San Diego in her hand. I haven't talked to her yet. They're holding her downtown headquarters. Why don't you meet me there? Fine, right away. Looks like the wind-up, Johnny. I hope so. I really hope so. Tonight and
1: every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator...
2: Yours truly... Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Los Angeles, to the Home Office Trinity Mutual Insurance Company Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment The Kalen Matter. Expense account, final page. Item 12 $1.60. Taxi from Queen of the Angels Hospital to Police Headquarters and Interrogation Room 9. The police clerk showed me to the observation anteroom and left. I paused for a moment and looked in through the one-way mirror window. Sergeant Reynosa was already there, and the girl, Marty Midnight, sat facing him across a plain wooden table. He was glancing through the arrest file and apparently hadn't started to question her yet. She was younger than I'd expected, not over twenty-two or twenty-three, and she was obviously scared, but her face was set and ruddy, sullen, defiant. I tapped on the door, on the and the jail matron let me in) Oh, come on in, Johnny. Take that chair, if you will. Thanks. When do
7: I get to see a lawyer?
2: You go under the name Marty Midnight?
7: That's right. I said what's your real
2: name? How long have you been in Los Angeles? Where'd you live before that? You see we got hold of here, Johnny? Yeah, I see. One of those wise ones, or so she thinks. If you're ever arrested, keep your mouth shut. Somebody told her that back along the line. She thinks it's good advice.
7: I want a lawyer.
2: Don't talk. They can't pin anything on you. She believes it. She'll probably still believe it right at the door of the gas chamber.
7: I haven't done anything. You've got to let me see a lawyer. It's a law.
2: You'll see one at the usual time. I know that law, too, Marty. And you're not being deprived of any of your legal rights. What's your real name? Well, then I guess we'll have to contact your folks and see if they have any influence.
7: Contact my folks? Who are they? Go on, tell
2: me. Well, let's see. Oh, yes, uh, Mr. and Mrs. John R. Jackline of San Diego at 426... How did you find out? And your name is or was Jean Louanne Jackline?
7: Don't let my folks know, please. I- I'll talk, Sergeant. I'll answer anything you want to know. If you just won't use my real name. If you won't let my folks find out, please.
2: Suddenly, she was just a frightened kid. Not a hard-boiled little chorus pony, a nightclub stripper. But only a scared girl who didn't want her folks to find out. She kept her head down, and she answered Reynosa's questions, her eyes lowered like a repentant school kid who'd been caught playing hooky. Then I remembered. The charge here was murder. Did you know that Eddie Kalin was married when you started going around with him?
7: Not at first.
2: And later you found out, but you kept on going with him.
7: Well, he said he was getting a divorce. He said he'd been trying to get free of his wife for six months, but she wouldn't let him.
2: Did you believe that?
7: Well, yes. I don't know. I I didn't until he came here that night. He said we are going to run away to Mexico together.
2: The night he killed Mike Kelso?
7: Yes, but I told you I didn't know about that until two days later. And it was self-defense, honest. Mike was trying to hold him up to get back the money Eddie won in that poker game. It was self-defense.
2: Then why did Eddie go into hiding?
7: Well, I told you, that too. It was his chance to get away from Lila and... Where
2: were you going when the police arrested you over there in the bus station? San Diego. To my folks.
7: Nobody here ever knew me by any name except Marty Midnight. I I didn't think you could trace me.
2: And you didn't want to be traced. Well,
7: of course not. I came back and saw the police car at my apartment and... Then I knew you'd found Eddie. I didn't want to be mixed up in it.
2: Why'd you kill him? Marty kill who? Eddie.
7: It wasn't Eddie. It was Mike Kelso. Eddie's the one who killed him in a fight. I told you that. It was... Oh, but you know it wasn't Eddie. You picked him up at my apartment, didn't you?
2: Yeah, sure. We picked him up in a basket. What? He's across the street to the morgue. Why'd you kill him, Marty?
7: I didn't kill anybody. I didn't know Eddie was dead. I was coming home and I saw the police car. I thought you'd found him. That's all. I didn't know he was dead. I didn't kill him. You gotta
8: believe me. I didn't know anything about it. Honest.
2: Honest. Marty Midnight. Sharp, hard, tough. A striptease dancer who'd been around. Knew all about it. Marty Midnight. A scared, sobbing little child. Honest. Crossed my heart and hoped to die. Well, maybe she would. I left a few minutes later, and Sergeant Reynosa walked out with me to get a breath of air. It was a cold, gloomy night with a gray dawn just ahead. Three people were dead. And in the great stone building we walked out of, the machinery was grinding away, getting ready to take the life of a fourth one. Well, I guess i better get back inside, Johnny. You're yeah, all right, Sergeant. lab boy's making a paraffin test. You know, it's too bad. She's just a kid. Yeah. I was hoping it'd be Toppo Leanly. That I'd love. He's long overdue. Well, he's still on the loose. Uh, It's a kid up there. You know it and I know it. And anything else is just wishful thinking. That witness saw her leave, saw her wipe off the gun, throw it back into the apartment. Yeah, I know. Well? Where'll you be, Johnny, the hotel? Not for a while. I'm going to stop by Lila Kalin's. At this time of night? Oh, She'll be waiting up. I promised her I'd see her and tell her what happened. She's uh, taken quite a beating out of this mess. Why did they do it, Johnny? Why do dames fall for a guy like Eddie Kalin? Philosophy? At this time of morning? (laughs) I'll see you later. Expense account, item 13, $2.80. Taxi fare to the Argus Terrace Apartments to talk to the widow and beneficiary, Lila Kalin.
5: Oh, Johnny,
4: come on in.
2: Thanks, Lila.
4: I've been sitting in here in front of the fireplace all night long. I'd almost given you up.
2: Well, a lot of things happen. Man, I'm really beat.
4: Coffee or a drink?
2: Coffee, I guess. Black.
4: Is it... is it all over now, Johnny?
2: Well, it amounts to that. They've apparently got the killer. Who? That girl he was hiding out with, Marty Midnight. She's a striptease dancer.
8: Why? Why did she do it?
2: The money, I suppose. They haven't found it yet, but they will.
8: Here's your
4: coffee. Oh, Thanks. I feel sorry for her. Maybe because I feel sorry for myself... or anybody who ever got mixed up with Eddie. Why do we do it, Johnny? Why do we go blind when a guy like that comes along?
2: I don't know. You tell me.
4: I wish I knew.
2: Maybe a girl I met yesterday evening had it tagged. She said she knew Eddie was always lying. But he made it sound so exciting.
4: He did. He did. I had four years of it. Never knowing when he'd walk out and not come back. Never knowing who he was with. Knowing only one thing for sure. That he was lying to me every hour of the day. Now that it's over, I wonder why I went through with it. But he did make it sound exciting.
2: Well, the best thing you can do, Lila, as soon as it's cleared up.
4: Who can that be? Oh, it might be
2: Sergeant Reynosa. I told him I'd be here.
4: Hello? Hello? Oh, yes, just a moment. You were right. Thanks.
2: Yeah? Hold on to your hat, Johnny. It's wide open again. What do you mean? That paraffin test, negative. What? Marty Midnight hasn't fired a gun in the last two days. She was telling the truth, witness or no witness. So it looks like Toppo a boy. Sergeant, wait. Huh? What was Marty wearing when they picked her up at the bus depot? Why, uh, well, the same thing she was when you saw her, skirt and sweater. Did she have a coat on? A short jacket. What are you getting at? Hmm. Hey, Johnny, you still there? Oh, uh, sorry. I was thinking. And it figures. Sergeant, can you come out here right away? To Lila's place? Why? It's important. Believe me. All right, Johnny. Right away. What was it, Johnny? Lila with the cool black hair. It's beautiful. Well,
7: thank you, Johnny.
2: Pepita has black hair, too. And Marty Midnight.
4: Eddie only liked dark-haired girls.
2: But Marty didn't have a white raincoat. I'll bet you do, though. What? Where is it? Here in the closet? Johnny. Uh Uh-huh.
3: What's this all about?
2: A witness saw a girl leave Marty's apartment right after the shots. But it was dark, and all the witness could make out was the black hair and the white raincoat.
3: What do you mean? The
2: witness saw the girl wipe off a gun on the front of her coat, then throw it back into the apartment and run. There are smudges on your raincoat, Lila.
4: It's grease off the door of the car.
2: Supposedly you haven't been out of this place since I talked to you yesterday evening. But it hadn't started to rain then, and the coat's damp. Why did you kill him, Lila?
4: You're out of your mind, Johnny. It's
2: no use, honey. is on his way out here. They'll make a paraffin test and prove you fired a gun. They'll probably dig up the taxi driver who took you out there. They'll search the place here, find the money. Was that it, the money? Was that why you killed him?
7: No, I didn't mean to when I went out there.
4: Yesterday evening while I was talking to you, I suddenly wondered if it might not have been somebody else's body in that car. I knew about Marty Midnight, of course. I knew about all of them. After you'd gone, I went out there, waited until I saw Pete Steimer leave, finally Marty, and I forced my way in. So Eddie was furious. We argued and fought. Eddie drew a gun on me. He threatened me. We struggled. So that's the... gonna be
2: your pitch, huh? A plea of self defense.
4: That's it, Johnny. Self defense.
2: Well, good luck. You'll need it. Mm-hmm. Expense account item 13, $263.35. Incidentals, etc., in Los Angeles and plane fare back to Hartford. Expense account total, $596.85. End of expense account. End of report. Remarks? So the question still stands Why do they do it? Why do girls go blind when the Eddie Kalins walk in? You might ask a strip teaser down in San Diego, but don't look for her under the name of Marty Midnight. She's Jean Luann Jackline now, a quiet kid. Lives at home with her folks. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about next week's
2: intriguing story. Next week, the case of a beautiful girl who refuses to see the man she loves as he really is. A killer. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Virginia Gregg... Lucille Meredith, Alma Lawton, Gloria Blondell, Howard McNair, Harry Bartell, Peter Leeds, and Byron Kane. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Roy Rowan speaking.